Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Good morning. Felt like we needed a good morning. It rains outside. Baptists get sleepy. Wake up. Not time to go to sleep yet. Well, some of you go to sleep every week when I preach. But for those of you that like to stay awake during the sermon, it's not time to go to sleep yet. I want to address two things uh, before we begin uh, our message this morning. First, I am fully aware that this tie is blue and green and orange. And apparently, there's some poor excuse for a school that has that for their colors. I don't even see no chomps back there. But I did wear my Tennessee suspenders. I haven't gone to the dark side. This is the result of your pastor needing to go to the dry cleaner, okay? <laughs> Literally, I was running out of options this morning trying to pull something together. So the only orange tie I had to match the orange suspenders that replaced the gray suspenders that broke when I was putting them on this morning. So this is how we got to where we're at. Josh Hearn, this is not an homage to the Gators, okay? Not an homage to the Gators and Charles. I am aware that Tennessee lost, but I needed something to keep my britches up, so that's why I have these suspenders on. All right, so I wanted to get that out of the way. The second thing, I want everybody, if you have a calendar, I want you to mark it in your calendar. If you don't have a calendar, I want you to buy a calendar between now and next week so you can put it in your calendar. But if you are a member of Rocky Valley Baptist Church, if you regularly attend Rocky Valley Baptist Church, or if you think you might want to attend Rocky Valley Baptist Church, that should be all of you, and it should be some people that ain't here, so I want you to tell them, I want you to mark your calendar for Sunday, October 21st, don't miss that service, all right? Don't decide on October the 20th at the fish fry that you got too much fish in your belly and you don't want to get up and come to church the next day. Don't decide any of those things. Be here, if at all possible, October 21st. And if you're not going to be here, let me know so I can make sure you get a transcript and a copy of that morning's message. That's all I'm going to say right now. Don't miss it. We will be doing a, 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 a different kind of message that morning. It will be more of a vision for the future, uh, a communicating a vision that, that God has, has given to me and to the leaders of this church, communicating that vision moving forward, talking about ministry opportunities and service opportunities in this church. There is not one person, no matter what your age or how long you've been a Christian, or how short a time you've been a Christian. There is not one person, that there is not one thing that you can be doing to serve the Lord in this church. That day, we will be communicating a lot of those things that morning. And I found that the best way for me to communicate to the most people is to do it from the pulpit. I will still open God's Word and preach that morning. I will never call you together and not do that but we will also be casting some vision. So do not miss October 21st. Everybody got that? What day are you not going to miss? You ain't going to miss none of them between now and then either, right? All right. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. First nine verses this morning of Matthew chapter 13. The title of the message is Farming for Jesus. Farming for Jesus. And it's... Uh, 
wonderful morning to gather together to, to worship him. Uh, we have the, the blessing of the rain that we've received. Many of you didn't consider it such a blessing as you ran through it to get into the Lord's house this morning. But we have a blessing of rain this morning. And in Matthew chapter 13, as we all gather together to worship, we're going to be in a story that everybody has read before. Almost everybody in here is going to have seen this story before. Almost everybody in here uh, has going to have, have maybe sat in a class where it's been taught before or have heard a sermon preached on it before. But sometimes it's good to get back to these good old Bible stories, isn't it? Sometimes it's good to open God's Word and just get to what I call one of these good children's Sunday school class Bible stories that's taught in every children's Sunday school class and just dive into them because what happens to us is when we hear something over and over and we see something over and over and we deal with something over and over and over again, it has a tendency to just become another story to us. And we don't want to run that risk with the parable of the sower becoming just another story to us. We don't want it to ever become just another Bible story because it has such a deep and impactful meaning. So we're going to dive into this and look at this parable that Jesus used to teach. And that was Jesus's primary method of teaching is that he would use parables. And what that was, he would take something that everybody understood, take something that everybody had seen and could touch and could understand and, and, and had a great grasp of, and he would relate it to something that they didn't yet fully understand. You know, a lot of people say a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus would say, here's this. Everybody could see it, touch it, feel it, and understand it. And he would say, this is what I mean with that story. And that was the method that he used to teach. So this morning, our parable is no different that it is an earthly story. And we're going to see that it has a very spiritual meaning. So please, if you are able this morning, stand. In honor and reverence of the reading of the holy words of our holy God from Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. I just got a call from the church. We are 615-449-6647, right? I'm going to be honest with you, that has never happened to me in all the times I've preached. Anyway, Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground, yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for another opportunity to gather in your holy house, Lord. God, we thank you for another opportunity to look to your holy word, Lord. And God, we pray that you would change an unholy people through the study of your word this morning. God, draw us nearer to you through the preaching of your word. God, if there be any word in error, please don't let me speak it, Lord. Mute my mouth and deafen the ears of those here. God, be glorified in all that we say and all that we do. 
And we will give you the praise and honor. And it is in your precious name that we pray, Jesus. As all God's children said, amen, and you may be seated. Now, in this story, we have Jesus having just had a standoff with the Pharisees in chapter 12. He, he kind of started with a standoff against them because he made the claim. That's where he says, listen, the, 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 the Sabbath was made for me, not me for the Sabbath, as he explained why he didn't honor their standards on the Sabbath. And by saying that, he was telling them, I am the Messiah. I'm the Son of Man. I am the one that's been prophesied about. And so the Pharisees didn't care for Jesus making that stance. And so they begin to question him and come against him. They go on and they say, if you are the Messiah, give us a sign. You, you show us something that lets us know. Do a wonder. Do something in front of us that we can see. Now I want you to keep in mind, Jesus had been doing signs and wonders for his entire earthly ministry and they had been blind to them. They had wanted to attribute them to something else. They didn't want to recognize that Jesus was who he said he was. And so they say, give us a sign. And Jesus says, you, you broken generation of people, I don't need to give you a sign. Essentially, if you've missed all the signs I've given you, this one ain't going to help you none. But the only sign you're going to get is the sign that you received from the prophet Jonah. And what he's talking about, of course, is he says the only sign that you're going to see, Pharisees, is once I've been dead three days and I rise again, you're going to realize what the story of Jonah meant. When he spent three days buried in the, in the belly of the big fish and, and he came out. He said, that's the only sign you're going to get and it's going to be too late for you to recognize who I was at that point. And so Jesus' teaching had grown uh, immensely popular in this section of his earthly ministry. He's about a year from heading to the cross. He's, he's, he's at his probably the pinnacle of popularity, you might say. Everybody was coming from miles around to get a glimpse and a touch and a, and a feel and a, and a word from Jesus Christ. The one, the Messiah, the one who stands against the Pharisees, the one who can, who can command teaching in such a way. And so Jesus, in all of that going on, is teaching so popular, people everywhere, he, he has to, to kind of to get away and he finds his way down to the Sea of Galilee. And, and so as he finds his way down to the Sea of Galilee, the multitude just, just throngs in, right? They're so excited to see him that they're not going to really let him get away that easy. And they just, they follow along so, so much so that Jesus getting ready to teach a parable that he's getting ready to teach has to sit in the boat in the sea to kind of to put some distance between him and the crowd. And so you have Jesus in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and then it says along the shore was the multitude of people. Now, I don't know what the definition of multitude is specifically, but if you look forward you're going to see that in just a minute, Jesus is going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Most scholars believe the number to have been somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people that Jesus was getting ready to feed that was in the same multitude. So we can assume safely, multitude means a bunch of people. Maybe 20,000 people were there to hear Jesus teach until he gets in the, in the boat on the sea, and he begins to expound a parable to them. And that brings us to verse 3 in our first point this morning. We're going to look 
really not so much point as, as focus from the parable. We're going to look at three focus points in this parable. And the first we're going to look at is the sower. Verse 3, it says, He spoke many things to them in parables. And he says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. It says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now this phrase is a great introduction for this area because as Jesus sat in the boat and the people stood on the shore gathered around, in that time it's most likely that any one of them could have, could have kind of taken a glance to the left or the right or looked around or looked up and they would have seen this very thing going on. There probably would have been a sower out in his field with his leather sack on reaching in, taking calculated steps and, and broadcasting his seed into his field. This phrase literally means the one that scatters the seed. And so as Jesus is telling this story about the sower, it's most likely that everybody there was, was, was thinking to themselves, I see that guy. I, I know that guy. I know what the sower is. Keep in mind, now Jesus was introducing them to something that they completely understood. Many of them had probably been a sower before. And Jesus says, the sower went out, and as he was sowing some seed, he fell by the wayside. Now, we're going to move through these real quick, and then we're going to back up and go back through them. So that's really exciting. So when you think I've got to the third point and you're ready for lunch, sorry, we're going to back up and go back through them all again. So don't get too excited on me. So we have the sower introduced, right? That's the farmer. That's the man with the seed. He's broadcasting it in the field. He's out there literally with the leather sack just throwing the seed around in the field that's already been prepared. And Jesus says, as the sower went out, the second thing we want to look at is the seed. That's the second aspect of this parable. It says he broadcasted the seed. That's in verse 4. And so we don't get a ton about the seed, but what we know is that it's understood when it says the sower was sowing the seed, that the seed that he was tossing into the field was a good seed, right? What is a seed, though? I did a little research on a seed. Having planted some plants before in my life, I had taken for granted as to what a seed was. So I did a little research on what a seed is. And a seed is essentially a tiny little shell that encompasses the, the life of a plant. And it gets put into the dirt and the shell decomposes and the roots sprout out down and the plant sprouts up basically from that seed. And that's kind of what happens. And so eventually you have a fruit that's produced. We have some gardeners in our, con in our congregation and they'll tell you the importance of this. I can't tell you how many times we've had a conversation with a gardener and they'll say, well, it starts with a good seed. It's just understood if you don't scatter a good seed, you're not going to get a good plant. Does that make sense to everybody? I mean, I would think what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it doesn't matter. That one, you ain't got the other. You don't have a good plant without first having a good seed. So we have a sower and we have a seed. It's understood that the sower was the farmer. The seed was a good seed. And the next focus we look at is he starts to talk about the soil. And he spends a lot of time here on the soil. And he says, we got a few types of soil. First, the soil is the soil that was by the wayside. It was out around the edge of the field. Now, keep in mind, in this day, they didn't have a lot of fences. All right, They didn't exactly have these fences surrounding their fields that would keep people out. They had walkways 
around their fields. People would travel around the fields. And, and, and earlier, Jesus and his disciples kind of walked through a field and gleaned from the outside on the Sabbath. That started this whole d- debate with the Pharisees. And so the first soil that's talked about is as the sower is sowing his good seed, some of the seed falls on that ground that's been trampled on on the wayside. It's out around the edge of the field. Now, what happens to dirt as it gets walked on over and over and over and over again? It gets real compact, doesn't it? It's not broken up, so the seed falls on it. The seed can't penetrate, and and the Word of God says that the birds would just swoop in, and they would snatch that seed away. Now, the next kind of soil that Jesus deals with is he says there was a stony ground that some of the seed would fall on. Now, this is not rock that's up on the surface that the farmer should have been able to see. The Word of God says that he's sowing the seed. It would have been understood that the sower wasn't going to sow his seed in a place that wasn't prepared. So the, the ground has been turned and the rocks have been removed that are visible. But below the surface of what was prepared, there was some stony ground. And, and what happens when the seed is sowed on a ground that is stony down below? Well... The seed goes down, it decomposes, it shoots out roots, it gets down to that rock and it can't go no deeper. And the plant, all the energy from the plant shoots upwards at this point. And suddenly you have this great, big, beautiful plant that has grown so quickly. But the Word of God says, what happens to a plant that grows without adequate roots? Well, the first scorch that comes, what happens to that plant? It burns up. And so Jesus moves on. He says there's another kind of soul. There was a thorny soil, a weedy soil. Now, any of you that saw my garden towards the end of this year will say that I grew watermelons in thorny soil. And you're right. But I lost a lot of plants because I didn't keep the thorns out of my soil. They robbed the nutrients. They choked it out. And the plants couldn't produce like they were supposed to because of all of the weeds that were there. And that is the thorny soil. And the fourth soil that Jesus says was there, he says there was good seed sowed by a good sower In a field that was prepared, and it fell into a good soil, and that crop yielded as much as a hundredfold. There were as much as a hundredfold of that crop. Now, it was considered successful if your crop yielded twelvefold. And he says, some of that crop in the good soil will yield up to a hundredfold. Now, I know that some of you right now are thinking, well... That's a good agricultural lesson that you gave us, Brother Jason. But we're not in ag class. We came to church this morning. And verse 9 starts to point us to something that we're going to have to deal with this morning. Verse 9 says that Jesus, when he finished this, said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And essentially what Jesus is saying there is if you understood what I'm saying... Let me know. I want to make sure that you get what I'm saying. Now, you look at the next verse, and we're going to fast forward just a little bit. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but the disciples come to Jesus. They're wondering the same thing that many of you are wondering as I tell this story about seed and soil this morning. What's that got to do with you, Jesus? These people have gathered to hear your word and to hear you proclaim the truth and you've told them a story about a farmer why do you talk to them in these parables Jesus and so Jesus explains why he teaches in parables and then if you fast forward to verse 18 you're going to see that he says now I'm going to explain to you 
what that parable meant. I'm going to give you the spiritual meaning of the story. So we're going to look back through. Miss Teresa, you don't have to turn to all these. We're going to look back through at the spiritual meaning of Jesus' earthly story. And the first thing we want to look at is the sower and the seed. We're going to lump these together because we get some explanation about the soil in verses 18 through 23, but we don't get a lot of explanation about the sower and about the seed. And so we've got to dig through the Word of God, right? There's nothing in the Word of God that's not there on purpose. There's nothing that doesn't have explanation. Sometimes we just got to to dig a little deeper. What a good analogy is we're talking about farming. Now, if you were to fast forward to verse 37 with me, you would see that Jesus tells us who sows good seed. In verse 37, Jesus says this. He said, he who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So what we see is that while we can't always take every aspect of every parable and plug it into all of them, I think the context of the Bible tells us this, that Jesus is the sower of the good seed. Jesus is the sower in the parable of the sower. Jesus is the farmer that casts the seeds out among the multitudes. And so what is he sowing? In verse 37 it says good seed. Verse 19 says that good seed is the word of the kingdom. I know I'm saying a lot, but I'm going to bring it back together. If I don't say it quick and say it a lot, we'll be here all day. So the sower and the seed. Jesus is the sower, and the good seed that he sows is the kingdom of God and the story of that. What is the story of the kingdom of God? It is the story of a God that is holy and a man that is not and a Jesus that saved him. That's the story of the kingdom. God is holy because of your unholiness. You're separated from them. And the story of the kingdom of God is how we are reconciled to him. And so that is what Jesus is sowing is the story of how a sinful man is reconciled to a holy God. So you have the sower. The good sower is Jesus. The seed is the word of God. But Acts 9 and 15 gives us a little insight. That if we bear his name, we are chosen vessels of God. So what's that mean? It means if Jesus is the sower and we bear his name, then guess what we become? Somebody help me. Sowers. We are the sowers of the good seed. That's what we're called to do. Our calling is to sow good seeds. Now, we can't sow some synthetic seed that we created to try to make the story better. Because if we do that, we're no longer sowing the good seed. John MacArthur on this subject made this comparison. He said, Christ is the seed and the Bible is the husk that holds that precious seed. So what is it as sowers that we're supposed to be doing to ensure that the seed that we sow is good seed. God gave it to us. He gave us the good seed. It's in his word. What do we do to sow the seed? We open the book. We preach the book. We teach the book. How do you know if you're sowing a good seed? Can you take it back to the word of God? Is it there? If it's not there, it is a synthetic seed. Synthetic seed will not grow the same plant as the good seed. It will not happen. If you are sowing some story that you tell to make somebody feel good and you're not bringing it back to the word of God, you are not sowing the message of the kingdom of God. 
Maybe you're sowing some counseling seeds, but you're not sowing the message of the kingdom of God. This parable is, is, is about Jesus teaching us that we are to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do. We're just farmers. Every one of us, we're just farmers. If you are a child of God, your job is to broadcast the story of Jesus. You're supposed to broadcast his story. But Jesus spends some time in verses 18 through 23 talking about the soils. And we're going we're gonna to kind of move through these quickly. Because verse 19 says, Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom... And doesn't understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So the soil here is not the person necessarily. It's the heart of the person. It's the heart of the person. And the basic truth of this parable is this, believer. The results of hearing the gospel depend always Upon the condition of the heart, not the skill of the sower. It never depends on the skill of the sower. In other words, if the word of God is presented, even if it is presented without much skill, then the results of that preached word are based upon the condition of the person hearing it, not the person speaking it. Why? Because the word of God is good seed. Any sower will do if you have good seed in good soil, right? So what does that teach us, believers, before we move on and dive too far into the seed? It teaches us this. You've got no excuses for not sowing seeds. None. Why? Brother Jason, I don't know what to say. Don't care. You got the the word of God. Use that. Brother Jason, I'm not a very eloquent speaker. That's okay. God said you didn't have to be. He said his word was sufficient for salvation. As a matter of fact, he said his word was the only way by which he was proclaimed in this earth. And he said that the name of Jesus is the only name by which men are saved. Not by the name of a preacher. Not by the name of an eloquent speaker. Not by the name of somebody who can present it in some newfound, newfangled way. It's the same message that Peter and Paul and Silas and Timothy and Jesus preached when they were here. It is the message that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And it is still the way by which people are saved. And it is still the only way by which men are saved is Jesus Christ. And so we don't have the excuse to ever say, I I don't know how to present it the right way. I don't know how to do it this way. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. The fact of the matter is, your guideline is the word of God. If that's what you're opening up, if you don't do anything but read it to somebody. Did you know you did enough? For them to come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If all you did was open it up and read it. If I or any other preacher can stand up here and do anything to talk you into getting saved. Then you didn't really get saved. My job and your job. Is not to convince people that they need to get saved. It's to present people the truth and allow God to get the harvest. We're just farmers sowing seeds of the gospel. 
We just got to make sure we're sowing that good seed. So the first soil that Jesus deals with, and we're going to try to move quickly through these for the sake of time. Remember this soil, it was a seed that hit the path around the outside and the birds would come and snatch it away. This is the one, this is the hard-hearted person who has, who has had the gospel presented to them so many times and their heart has just been mashed down and hardened by a multitude of their sin and a multitude of day after day after day of exposure to this evil world and all of the corruptness and all of these things stomping around and their heart has become so hard that when the gospel is presented it just bounces off. It gets no penetration anymore. Their heart hasn't been softened. It hasn't been broken up. It's just calloused. They're not frightened by the word of the Lord any longer. They're not frightened by the realization that their life is an affront to a holy God. They're not, they're not in, encouraged by the hope that is in Jesus any longer. Their hope is built on themselves completely. And the word of God says that Satan snatches that seed up around that hardened heart before it has time to take root. And Satan uses some things to do that. He snatches it up with, with false teaching. He snatches it up with pride. He snatches it up with doubt. He snatches it up with, with somebody letting somebody down. He snatches it up with our hypocrisy. He snatches it off up some way before that seed can take root. This person has heard the gospel over and over and over again. And every time Satan whispers in their ear, there is no God. You don't need to hear that. You don't need to listen to that. Surely God wouldn't let you go to hell. And he snatches that seed away one more time. There's a second heart condition. Remember that was the stony soil. We said the seed takes off and looks great. Right off the bat, you have this beautiful plant. The farmer might even be deceived and say, look what a crop I have this year. It's growing up big, it's growing up pretty, and it's growing up quick. But the Word of God says when those roots hit that rock underneath and quit growing depth, when the sun comes, it scorches the plant away. And this is the one where the gospel is presented. And somebody says, oh man, yeah, that seems like a good answer to all the problems I've been facing. I'm just going to admit and believe and confess and that's going to be it, and I'm going to be good to go. And they're on fire, and they're happy, and they're so excited, and they, and they want to just get into it, and they want to get baptized that afternoon, and, and just let me do all these things I'm supposed to do. But then, <clears throat> then the Word of God is presented to them, and the persecution comes, and the storm starts to rise up, and they begin to say, wait a minute, I signed up for the Jesus that made me feel good. I didn't sign up for the God of the word that says I got to change things in my life if I'm a believer. I didn't sign up for the God that says that, that bad things are still going to happen if I'm a believer. I didn't sign up for the God that, that's going to still let me have any struggles. I signed up for the God that was going to make me rich and wealthy. And if that's not the God you can give me, then I'm just going to move on. And that's the one. And we've all seen it, right? We've all been excited about it. That one that just, that, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then suddenly you, you, can't, you can't find them anymore. What happened? The storm came. The persecution came. The word of God brushed up against their comfort. And they fell away. The word of God says if they fell away, they were never truly his. They're never truly believers if they were able to fall away. Why? Because my word of God says that once... 
And once the Savior has me, he'll never let me go. What's his is his. He will not lose any that are his. And so if they were able to fall away, they were never truly believers in the first place. Third soul. This is the seed sown in the weeds and the thorns, and it was choked out, remember? This is the one who has a heart to be receptive to the word of God, but so caught up in the world and and so caught up in his career and so caught up in his environment, so caught up in so many things that it just chokes that seed out. The seed that says you have to be sold out to Christ and Christ alone says to him, I can't do that because I serve my career, I serve my feelings, I serve my political stance, I serve uh, my everything is okay with everybody stance, I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to take a stand on anything. And the word of God says you can't serve two masters, it's either Jesus or it's the world, it's one or the other. And so this one hears the word and hears the validity of the word, but it's so caught up in his own world that, that it chokes out that seed. But finally, there's good seed that falls in good soil. And what do we see? As much as a hundredfold multiplication in the yield of the crop. Luke says of this person in his account of this same story, this is the person that hears the word, holds the word, and accepts the word. This is someone that hears it, accepts it, and holds it. They take the gospel in. There's a genuine repentance, which is a confession of sin and a turning from sin. It says, I know I sinned, and it says, I'm not going to do that anymore. Right? Not good enough just to say, I know I sinned. I know I sinned, and I'm going to turn from that now. A desire to follow in obedience. A desire to hear the word of God and a desire to respond to the word of God. Leaving a former life. So what happens when good seed falls in good soil? Genuine salvation is what I would call that. Genuine salvation. So, how do we, how do we wrap all this up into a pretty little Sunday morning ball? First... You need to ask yourself, what kind of soil is your heart? What kind of soil is your heart? Maybe you've heard the gospel presented numerous times. But do you have good soil that it's fallen on? Is it taking root and growing in genuine salvation this morning? Believer, how can this apply to you? This is a story about those who have never come to know Jesus, right? Well, no. It's a story for you as well. Why? A couple reasons. One, Has your heart become hardened over time? I don't mean have you fallen out of salvation, have you fallen from grace, but I mean have you heard the Bible preached so many times that it no longer applies to you anymore? So we mean it no longer applies to me. I mean when you hear the word of God and it's different than what you're doing, do you still say I want to be obedient to the word of God or do you say I want to do what I've been doing? Because that is a reflection of whether or not you know the same Jesus that I know. That's the reflection of whether or not you know the God of the Bible is whether or not you want to be obedient to him. So ask yourself, what kind of soil am I? And the other thing you need to ask yourself is how am I sowing seeds? Because you're called to sow seeds. It never in there says anything. I want want to be clear. Nowhere in that parable does Jesus say at the end of the description of the souls, 
Therefore, farmer, take count of your soil before you cast your seed. He said, the sower sows the seed in the field that's been prepared. Who prepares the field? God. Who sows the seed? Us. And who gets the harvest? God. It's a simple process that we've been called to. And so I ask you, are you farming for Jesus? Or are you living for the world this morning? Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you this morning. Thankful for another opportunity to gather in your name, Lord God. Thankful for an opportunity to look at a simple story about a farmer and recognize that we are to be evangelizing. We are to be intentional. We are to be sharing your gospel everywhere we go, Lord. We're to be casting the seeds of your word. So God, forgive us where we may have failed in this endeavor. God, strengthen us that we might move forward, Lord God. Give us the courage and conviction to recognize the opportunities are there, Lord. God, help us to reflect on ourselves this morning and ask ourselves this simple question. Is my soil good? Is my heart a place where God's word takes root? Do I have a hardened heart? Do I have a, a thorny heart where, where the word of God is choked out by all of my busyness and all of my thoughts and all of the things in this world? Or do I have a genuinely good heart to receive the word of God and allow it to take root in my life and change me? God, help us to be, help us to be good soil, Lord. Convict us where we're not. And give us the courage to come before you and say, God, please change me as only you can. It is in your precious name that we pray. And all of God's children said, Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.